Hope you like the new theme music. It's called Ghost Jazz. Thanks to Auditory Sculpture and Derek Sims for that. Thanks to World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason, which is where we do these OMN Coffee Shop conversations. I'm Tom D'Antoni. Very, very, very happy to be able to catch the great drummer Tony Coleman before he's off to some other part of the world. Tony lives in Portland, but he was the drummer in B.B. King's band for 32 years. His opinions are as strong as his drumming, and you'll be surprised when you hear about his attitude about the blues when he first came up. It's always nice to run into Tony. Even better to sit down and talk to him. Hang on. Get ready for Tony Coleman. Welcome to the cupping room here at World Cup Coffee and Tea. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, Northwest 18th and Gleason, where we do these things every week. I'm glad yeah. to see you. I'm, I, I, you're, you're in town. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. I'm very seldom in town. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you're everywhere. I like that. I, I think after leaving BB, I decided I want to continue to work as much as possible, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, it's therapeutic for me. Well, yeah. Yeah. And they pay you. Yes, that part. <laughs> <laughs> Especially that part. You know, a lot of musicians say, um, well, you know, we don't really play for money. Yeah, no, I, I play for money. Well, yeah. <laughs> if, if anybody says that, they, they're, they're the ones who don't get paid. <laughs> Right. No, uh, I, I do play for money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's what professional musicians do. I mean, you know. Yes. Expect that. Um, so, did you have a busy summer? Yes, yes. It was real busy. I was uh, working with the Climax Blues Band, the original, ah. one of the original founders of the band, guitar player Mr. Derek Holt from England. Uh-huh. He lives in Spain. Uh, was wanting to put a Climax Blues Band back together because he had he had stopped playing for a while and decided I want to play again. And he had some some issues with one of the guys who had the Climax Blues Band, uh-huh. and then he passed the sax player. <laughs> and the the Climax Blues Band from that band aren't any of the original members mm-hmm. so he decided to put a climax blues band together here in the u.s to celebrate 50 years in the business wow and anyway i was invited to be the drummer so i'm the drummer for that band that's great do you and, do you play a lot do you have a lot a we lot? haven't yet we did ah. three festivals uh-huh. here out here in the northwest where we rehearsed probably a month yeah and uh recorded tracks and we're we're just getting everything set up to do a North American tour and a Canadian tour next year. So Nice. Nice. I enjoy their music and uh uh-huh. it was really it was it was really g- cool to play those songs because I remember that band being uh, uh, being a black musician growing up around soul, mm-hmm. rhythm and blues, jazz, you know, black music. There were a few white Bands that black people liked, and they were mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, as far as <laughs> having having the feel, you yeah, know, like average sure. white man, mm-hmm. um, Redbone, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, sure. Hall and Oates. They were kind of like sure. white musicians who sound soulful. I saw the funniest piece the other day. 
by, written by, by a black musician mm-hmm. who found out that what I do for love was a white, was sung by a white well, I guy. Saw, I saw that. Did you see that? Yeah, that was and, so and, funny. That's another guy. That, that was a funniest piece. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's. Uh, so I like I like the different cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, white music. It sounds so foreign to even say that, but there is white American culture. Yeah. So I used to like the monkeys, the turtles, and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, and I. I mean, you know, hey, hey, with the monkeys, you know, I was like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, and I and I like all the leaves are brown, you know. <laughs> she, I, she went to my high school. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if a if a black musician uh, to be black meant something <laughs> uh, when it came to culture, and, yeah, and and uh, it wasn't something to say, uh, don't put us in a category well we have a, a heritage and a culture and a style mm-hmm. just like everybody else uh, you Italiano you know I go to Italy I love Italy you want to eat a real pizza go to Italy <laughs> don't go to Pizza Hut well uh, my grandmother made pretty good pizza yeah she was Sicilian a pizza yeah 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 <laughs> grazie prego but uh, I've traveled to 98 countries around the world and mm-hmm. I think it's awesome that everybody has a style and a culture you can learn from it and it's, mm-hmm. it's great to celebrate it you know but uh today's music seems to have lost the the style of your culture your heritage and, and bb told me to always say in my opinion yes <laughs> <laughs> well but that's we know that we know it's your opinion. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> know, you guys, you're you're famous for your opinions. I know, but yes. I'm, I'm only saying it the way I've actually seen it. And sure. It's not just my opinion, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, the music today, there's no real music anymore the way it used to be uh, with musicianship based on growing up in a certain environment of who you are. Yeah. You put up a post today on Facebook that just tripped everybody out. Yes. Because it was a picture of Kanye with a MAGA hat on. And everybody's going, oh, no, not Tony. <laughs> not Tony. Well, here's the thing. And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm serious about this because this is the way I feel based on growing up black in America. We fought. To be treated equal with this, with the uh, civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. I was a young kid, couldn't eat with white people or segregation, all of that crap. We fought to be free and treated equal. So Kanye has the right to be a bigger asshole dummy as he wants to be. Well, He's, right. If he wants right. to be a Trump supporter, let the boy be it. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. Well, you know, I, I think that's something that we learned when when we were when we were coming up. I mean, I mean, people our age, you and you and me. I see a guy with a man bun on. I'm going like, what the fuck is that? Right. You know? On the other hand, unlike when I was coming up and got thrown out of bars because I had hair down to my ass. Right. right? Yeah. Sure. I'm not going to tell him he can't do that. Right, so you know, I don't have to like it. It's too much hypocrisy yeah. in, in the world to 
I don't care. I don't like Trump, but I, I'm not going to diss him. I mean, he, he's oh, yeah. doing he's doing it on his own. I mean, uh, my whole deal is he ain't going to be here long. He's going to get voted out. But in my in my observation, uh, the office of the presidency doesn't have a certain type of rule of who can be the president, you know, but if you don't like the guy, get off your ass and go vote. Don't be out here uh, wasting your time complaining, you know, Mm -hmm. vote. Mm -hmm. Vote. Go vote. Mm -hmm. And the reason Mm -hmm. he's in office now is because a lot of people assume he wasn't going to be the president because he was so stupid in their opinion. But when I saw him come down the escalator, I, I got on Facebook and I said, Ladies and gentlemen, you're looking at your next president. I knew he was going to be the president. I knew he was going to create a lot of problems. Yes. For us as a country, making people go after one another. Yep. And we've been through all of that crap. Are we so stupid as to believe that's okay to do it again? There's 35% 35 of the people who believe that. Well, I, I, I can't stand it. It makes me sick, you know. Yes. Uh, yeah, it sure the does. divisiveness, going after race and religion and uh, uh, gender and all of that crap. You know, I, I'm just I'm just so tired and done with that. So I'm just going to watch it and I will vote my uh, get my opinion out on the voting uh, in the voting booth on the well, ballot. But you, you, know, you know, but what you do. Is so important because uh, me when I get on the radio, I'm just playing other people's music, you know. But but one of the things that we decided, some of us at KMHD, when all this shit happened, yeah. was okay. What's our role? Our role we, are two things, and it's the same with 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 musicians. Our role is to inspire and comfort. Yeah, comfort and me. inspire. That's my job. I know that. That's what I'm that's saying. What I do. Yeah. At least that's what I try to do. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you know you're you're just uh, you're you're so lucky that you can bring that you know. Yeah. Um, but you know the thing about it is the hypocrisy part. It really pisses me off, you know, because yeah. uh, when when Sarah Sanders was turned away from that restaurant that yeah. she wanted to go eat at, it yeah. pissed me off <laughs> because. That's what used to happen to me, black right. people. Yeah, I couldn't. I had to get turned away from a restaurant. Hey, if it would have been my restaurant, mm-hmm. I would have been like, Sarah, welcome. Anything you want is on me today. But I'm going to tell you right now. I want to be asking you some questions now. If you don't want to <laughs> handle it, it's like that kitchen back there. You don't go back there if you can't handle heat. But I'm going to feed you. you. It's on me. But I'm asking you, why you lie so much? <laughs> But enjoy the meal. I, I'm not going to run her out, but I, I'd be like, I don't think that's cool what you're doing, you know. And, mm-hmm. and but, mm-hmm. but when you when you uh, r- restrict people and disrespect people, you're doing the same thing that they're doing. But I don't want to be accused of that. I'm like, hey, everybody has opinions, and you know what they say about opinions, but. Uh, we know the difference between chicken shit and chicken salad. I mean, well, come yeah. on. It's wrong, the stuff they're doing. It's, right. it's, it's wrong. It's just not right. It's not. No. But I'm not going to uh, die about it. I'll just vote 
and see what happens. Well, yeah, yeah. Although with me, I'm you know I might get, you know I, that might get, that might that might trigger the heart attack. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> I never know what's going to trigger it. It's coming, but you know. <laughs> um, so I was looking at your Facebook page today, and you've been you've been listening to Bob Marley. Yes. Did you forget to see him? I never did. Ah. Never did. I, uh, I know his band. Uh, I, I, uh-huh. I've met all of those guys and uh-huh. the ones that are alive. And I, I've uh, met Ziggy. And uh, now Ziggy, out of all of his kids, to me, Ziggy is like just looks just like him. Yeah, it's kind of like Willie Nelson's son, Lucas. You know? Yes, they yes. sound so much alike and uh-huh. look alike. Uh-huh. That voice, Lucas is a amazing that you know micah his brother those are my those are my little brothers or i guess i'm their uncle (laughs) (laughs) but micah's great but lucas sounds and looks like willie you played with willie right yeah uh not in his band not being on the payroll but i played with him several times and occasionally i might go up and sit in with him but uh i've been knowing that man for as longer than BB almost. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. He's been one of the greatest inspirations as a human being in my life. Willie Nelson is just a great human person. In, in what way? Because he cares about people mm-hmm. and he doesn't judge people. Mm. And uh, he'll listen to anybody. He's a great listener. That's probably why he's got over. Two thousand uh, twenty five hundred songs written. <laughs> wow, wow. He's a good listener. Good. He observes. Uh-huh. You know. Uh-huh. And uh, when you're around him, it's kind of like being around a Buddha or something. He's so huh. spiritual in the way his presence is. Uh-huh. It's very soothing to be around Willie. Wow. I love the man. That's good to know. But I mean, you get that feeling. You know, but you know, unless somebody who knows him confirms it, you, you, it's only a, something you, you, know, you, 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 you guess. You know, if, if you don't like Willie Nelson, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, you don't like Willie Nelson. You need to get a, a pill for that. <laughs> <laughs> so you met him what over thirty years ago? Yeah, yeah. Because you you were with BB how long? I was in and out of BB's band about thirty two years. Oh, yeah, that's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, BB fired me five times. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> For what? Because he didn't like my arguments with him. He he. <laughs> it wasn't like because I wasn't playing good or, as you know, I'm sort of opinionated. <laughs> Don't choke on your coffee. <laughs> I do know that. Well, I do know that. BB was I, from, I, yeah. and I talk about it in the book. But I love BB King like I love my dad, uh-huh. or my mother, or family, or anybody because my dad and BB were friends, and uh, and Bobby Blue Bland, BB, and my dad were good friends, and I worked with those guys more like being in a family than an employee, you know. Uh-huh. And BB was always trying to make me see the things in life in America the way he saw things uh-huh. and BB was very afraid of white people really you know? yeah he was 
because his his upbringing in Mississippi, seeing black people get hung and castrated and yeah. murdered and all of that, yeah. he he wanted me to be careful. He was afraid for me, and I was like, man, I'm not afraid. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna. I I I didn't grow up in Mississippi. Yes, sir, boss man. You know all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. I hated that crap. You know, like scared of white people and all of that. And huh. my my thing was. BB, I'm not you. I didn't grow up the way you grew up. And he mm-hmm. was like, well, I expect you to do such things a little different, son. And I'd be like, I don't want to do it. Well, you can go home. All right, bye. bye. <laughs> that happened about five times. <laughs> but uh, I did learn a lot from, from being with him. Uh-huh. He, was a, he was a great man. He was a great man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He had flaws like anybody else. But, but BB hated confrontation. Huh. I always invite confrontation. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how did you um, how did you get along musically? Uh, well, it was because you were bringing you were bringing a different thing than just regular straight blues, right? Well, yeah. Uh, when I was growing up, I talk about this in, in, in the book I'm writing that when I grew up. I hated blues. I used to hear blues all my life as a kid. My family, neighbors, um, you know, harmonica playing blues. Uh, <laughs> you know, my baby, you know, my mama, my mama, my mama. <laughs> you know, and I was like, man, I hate that crap. You know, <laughs> I mean, I was like, I'm 63, so when I grew up, you know, I was more into. Uh, I'm a soul man. Yeah, you know, stacks. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And uh, of course, and then the funk stuff, James Brown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say it loud. I'm proud. You know, yeah. whereas yeah. blues guys always seem to me, you know, step and fetch it. And I was like, uh-huh. man, I'm a young rebel. I ain't, ain't going to be like that. I can't stand that country cotton picking crap. <laughs> you know, and then I joined the military. And I came out of the military to become a musician, and the sax player lived in Chicago. So we were like the Blues Brothers. We all moved to Chicago to put the band together. <laughs> and then I started getting gigs. Uh, I got a gig with Otis Clay, the soul singer Otis Clay. Oh, yeah. And Otis is the reason I'm in the industry as a professional, because Otis took me under his wing. Uh-huh. But when Otis wasn't working, he hooked me up with Buddy Guy or somebody, like, uh-huh. get a gig, you know. Yeah. And... and uh, then those old blues guys was like, boy, you don't know how to shuffle right. You need to figure that out. You know, if you're going to play with us, you need to play right. You know. And then I was like, okay, I, I got a gig with blues people, so I better learn it. Yeah. And I was rejecting it. Then I ended up getting with B.B. King's band. And I still wasn't happy because I was like, I want to be an Earth, Wind, and Fire. Or, yeah. Or Parliament Funkadelic. Uh-huh. Or cameo, you know, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't want to be playing with these old men wearing suits, looking like insurance men. You know, <laughs> I want to. I want to wear some glitter and and be funked out. You know, Rick James. You know, <laughs> Rick James, bitch. You know. But uh, but then uh, one time, BB BB would play. BB would play at, in Mississippi for two weeks for free mm-hmm. for people who lived in the rural areas that couldn't afford to come see him. Mm-hmm. So he would 
two weeks of the year in in uh, June, you do something called the Mega Evers Homecoming with Mega Evers' brother, Mr. Charles Evers. Uh huh. And you know, oh yeah, Mega Evers. People don't know he got murdered. He was uh, some white supremacists killed him because he was a civil rights leader. But every During year, Mississippi summer down in Mississippi, yeah. But uh, every year, BB they would honor Mega Evers by doing the BB King Homecoming and play at some really, really jukey joints. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we played in one that was real, real raggedy. I mean, it was terrible, and I was making fun of it. Uh-huh. And I had the band laughing. Man, look at this place. It's got spider webs in it and. <laughs> Grass growing on the stage looked like a bug. Is the bug alive? What's going on? You know, <laughs> did I just see something run across the floor? You know, and we were laughing. And BB heard me making fun, and he was sitting on the bus because we couldn't, we didn't have a dressing room, so we all had to dress on the bus. And on my way out, BB stopped me. He said, "Tony Cole, man, have a seat, son. I'd like to talk to you about something." And you, you know, knew something was up. Yeah, and he said. You know, this is where I'm from, son. These people, we played around the world. Presidents, queens, kings, we played at Carnegie Hall. We played everywhere. Don't you think these people deserve a good show, too? Now, when you make fun of these people, you're making fun of me, son, and it hurts my feelings to hear you do that. And uh, I wish you wouldn't do it. I don't think it's right. And uh, and then, of course, I felt like a total asshole. Yeah. (laughs) And I apologized. And then that's when I learned to respect the blues. Mm Mm-hmm. And I realized that that's my culture, mm-hmm. and I should be proud of the blues. Then I would hear, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll be quiet after this, <laughs> but I'm on a talk, telling this story, man. It's going through my head. Go ahead. But then I would see white musicians, uh, Can Heat, yeah. Johnny Winter, uh, playing blues. But I learned from B.B., Bobby Blue Bland, Albert King, yeah. Buddy Guy, and... Uh, Junior Wells and uh-huh. uh, Coco Taylor and all these people and uh-huh. I'm like man no nah, y'all not playing the blues right I'm <laughs> playing it the way it's supposed to be played and that's so I started really taking pride in that yeah yeah good 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 um, well you know uh, enough said about that you know I mean really. Really, that's that's a that's a great thing. That's a great mm-hmm. thing. You know, uh, we learn things how we learn them. You know? And then, and then I recorded, uh, uh, I recorded with Pearl Jam's guitar player. Uh, mm-hmm. Which one was it? Uh, dang boy, I forget his name. Can't think of it right now. Sorry. But he he saw me playing Black Nativity in Seattle, and he was at the show at the Intermont Theater. And uh, he introduced himself as a guitar player, and he said his name, but I didn't know who he was. And then he asked me if I did sessions, and I didn't end up doing a session. Uh-huh. I'll think of his name in a second. And then I went in, and I was playing, you know, what I considered to be rock. And he asked me, he said something to me that really blew my mind he said could you play that a little more suburban oh (laughs) and i was was like suburban suburban okay wow meaning whiter huh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah 
And, uh, well, if urban means black, then suburban yes, means white. Yes, right? so yeah. I was like, that was a cool way of putting it, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's to get to our player that wears the glasses in Pearl uh-huh. Jam. Suburban. suburban. I played Goodness. on this record. In, but, but then I played in a reggae band. We were talking about Bob Marley. I played in a reggae band, and they were doing Bob Marley music and Peter Tosh and everybody, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. And they were also doing some soccas and mm-hmm. some different Caribbean beats. And the guitar player said, Drummy, he called me Drummy. <laughs> Drummy, you bad like a snake, man, on the drums. Oh, God, you're so good, man. But your reggae drummy, it always suck bad, man. Oh, oh suck bad. Jeez. Oh, no. <laughs> so he had to teach me how to play reggae, how to listen to reggae and play it properly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it just goes to show that, you know, there is a right way and a wrong way to play people's yeah. culture, yeah. you know. Yeah. And you have to study it and learn it. Uh-huh. And I work with Jamie Johnson. Willie Nelson introduced me to Jamie Johnson, country mm-hmm. artist. And Jamie Johnson's country as a chicken coop. <laughs> that boy play sings and, man, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up playing drums with Jamie for a while, but Jamie would call some classic country songs that I didn't have a clue as to how they were supposed to be played. Uh-huh. And I told Jamie, I said, Jamie, man, I can, I've, I've learned your songs, but when you start calling some Merle classics and uh, yeah. all these classic country, I'm, I'm just not familiar with it. I think you need to get a country drummer. Uh-huh. And he said, well, I guess you're right. But then he put me on percussion, and I stayed in the band. But when I got in that band, I studied country music. Uh-huh. I listened to country. I asked questions about it. I would go to country gigs in Nashville. <laughs> I had, I, if I'm going to play somebody's music, I'm going to learn from the outside, yeah. from the inside out, not uh-huh. from the outside in. Uh-huh. I'm going to study the people, the lifestyle. Yeah. I want to, I want to know their culture. And I want to be able to play it properly. That's just the way I approach it. Mm-hmm. How's your second line? Say again? How's your second line? Oh, it sucks. Really? <laughs> that's Come a, on. I can, I, can, I can do it okay. <laughs> but that's a, but now that's, that's an awesome question. That's an awesome yeah. question. Now you, man, those guys. I know. <laughs> They are incredible. That feel yeah. they have on that second line yeah. drumming. Yeah. You know, I can do it. I can I can be a chameleon and fake it and make uh-huh. it, but uh-huh. to play it it's a whole nother way of thinking and feeling, man. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. That those New Orleans cats, amazing. I know. I know. There's a drummer here who's a great drummer. Great tr- tremendous drummer. He can't play second line. He can play anything else in the world. He cannot play a second line. <laughs> we used to tour B.B. Uh, King, Neville Brothers, uh-huh. uh, a few summers in a row. We toured together, did like 40-city tour. It would be Dr. John, Neville Brothers. Was Russell Batiste in that band? Uh, no. He's a drummer? Okay. No. No, Herman Ernest was, oh, a, yeah. was oh, a drummer yeah. with oh, Dr. John, yeah. and yeah. Mean Willie Green was a drummer with the All Neville right. Brothers. All right. But I used to... Talk to Willie Green, he'd be like, Come on and sit in, man. You can play with I go, Man, he's get up there, man. You know how to do it. But uh he showed me how how to do it, you know. And uh 
And once you get into it, you know, it's like anything else. You, you yeah. have to approach it differently, you know. <laughs> so tell me about this book. How far along are you? Uh, I'm pretty close to being done. Yeah. Um, the, the day after Obama won against McCain, uh-huh. I had a connecting flight in Phoenix, uh-huh. and I was headed to Texas. And while I was sitting at my gate, I noticed all these people that had McCain Palin uh, luggage tags on their bags and stuff. So it was like, wow, this is the McCain camp, all these <laughs> folks. Yeah. I mean, they were all gathered around, and I was in the middle of them. And I watched Fox News. I watched C-SPAN. I watched MSNBC, CNN. I watched uh-huh. all news uh-huh. about politics. I like politics. Uh-huh. And I saw Carl Cameron standing on the phone, standing there on the phone talking. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting next to this lady, and I said, she had a Sarah Palin McCain yeah. luggage tag on her bag. And I said, so you guys are the campaign? She said, yeah, yeah. Oops. I said, and that's Carl Cameron, uh, campaign Carl. She said, mm-hmm, yeah, that's him. <laughs> and it turned out it was his wife, oh. Myra. <laughs> who has also worked for Fox, uh-huh. and she is a camera lady. <laughs> and uh, so she said when she met me, she went, oh, my God, not a black Republican. And I go, no, I'm not Republican. I'm not, I'm not a Democrat. I'm just independent. I'm whatever I think. Uh, I like different things from different people, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we became friends. So Carl and I have been friends since the day after Obama won the election. Mm-hmm. And Myra, and when Trump became president, Carl was like, "Man, I'm I, I'm burned out with this stuff. I can't do this anymore. It's time for me to retire." So we we would converse and stuff, and then one day, Carl calls me and say, "TC, I know what I'm going to do while I'm retired." I said, "What?" He said, "I'm going to help you write your book." Huh. I said, "Really, man?" He said, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's wow. get started." So we've been doing that now, I guess, about, about almost a year now. Wow. What's the process? Well, he's been asking me questions. We're going to make it a book and a talk, and an audio book as yeah. well. So we've been yeah. talking and going over. The book is going to be about not just my life as a blues musician. That's, mm-hmm. that's going to be the main part of it, right. my life in the blues and I've played with every major blues and soul artist in this period of our, you know, lifetime here. Everybody, I've worked with them or recorded with them or toured with them or played with more than any blues musician I have. And, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's documented. I've done it. I've yeah. been, it's been amazing. And we're writing about that, but we're also writing about growing up my experiences growing up in America as a black person in America and uh, it's, it's, it's a, it has a lot to do about uh, how race affects American black people and racism and all of that stuff uh, in my opinion as B.B. said to say <laughs> racism is the worst problem this country has Yes, this, it, it needs to be eradicated it's People's minds need to stop this nonsense and 
I've had to deal with it without going off and kicking somebody's ass or becoming a uh, revolutionary mm-hmm. or or a terrorist or something to be treated, you know, like shit based on your color of your skin. That's it's not an easy thing. A lot of people kind of have that to like. Well, why don't you just get over it? You know, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, that's easy for you to say. Get over it. But it's not that's a day. The, that is the worst thing anybody can ever say to anybody about anything. Yeah, you know. You I know? Mean, Get but, over it. But but my grandmother raised me to have an attitude of, in spite of that, uh-huh. you're still going to be good. You're mm-hmm. going to be successful at whatever you pursue. You mm-hmm. understand me? Mm-hmm. So don't don't let that hold you back. You can be anything you want to be. So when I was growing up, I believe in America. Mm-hmm. I pledge allegiance to the flag. Mm-hmm. I wasn't born in Africa. I don't know nothing about chasing gazelles and riding <laughs> elephants and all of that. I grew up in Kissimmee, Florida, Osceola County, USA. I was taught to be an American. I wasn't taught to be black. Mm-hmm. When I was a little kid, and I talk about this, the first time my grandmother who raised the four of us, my mother died on my 10th birthday. My father had another family in another part of America in New York growing up in Florida. My grandmother took me downtown Kissimmee, Florida, and I saw, I'm like four years old, I see a water faucet that says colored water. Mm-hmm. And I had a box of colored crayons, and I ran to that faucet to turn the water faucet on to see some blue, green, red water. Mm-hmm. And it was just ordinary water, and I got upset. Yeah. And my grandmother said, boy, what is, what's wrong with you? I said, where's the colored water? She's like, oh, my God, I'll tell you about that later on. Don't worry about oh, it. Boy. You'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. But to, but the first time they integrated schools, the first year you had the option to go to a white school if you wanted to, which I chose to go to. They uh-huh. called me nigger every day. Wow. Not like a rapper, my nigger, all that. No, nigger uh, mm-hmm. and uh, spitballs and people blowing their horns and throwing stuff at me walking to school and I, I couldn't understand it I just couldn't understand why because I, I just because my skin is dark mm-hmm. brown mm-hmm. y'all hate me that bad and uh, whereas my grandmother and older people would be like well just don't say anything just 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 get through it you know um I was like, as a kid, I was like, no, I'm not ever, I'm not putting up with that shit, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to be treated like that. You're going to treat me with respect. If you, you're going to kill me, just kill my ass, because yeah. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of still my attitude today. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very complicated issue, very, very complicated. I mean, when I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little older than you, and when I was in the seventh grade, because I'm, I'm, I'm from Baltimore, and Baltimore was a segregated city. It had a very, very big, vibrant, and rich um, uh, uh, black upper class. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, they owned all the um, uh, they owned a chain of newspapers all over sure. the country. Yeah, and, yeah. But um, still, it was segregated. Right. And in the seventh grade, they threw us all together. First of all, we were the Everybody was baby boomers, black and white. So the classes were enormous. 
The teachers were overwhelmed. Yep. Nobody said anything to us about the fact that we're going to have, you know, the think that the school's going to be integrated now. Right. And we just had to figure it out on our own, you know. Mm-hmm. And some of us did. Yeah. You know, it's funny um, when you talk about stuff like that, and and you going to a to a white to a white school. Of course, you had and you had a choice too, which was fine. I the first I, year I had the choice, but yeah. the second year it was going to be mandatory. You okay. Know? When I was, it came time for me to go to college, I went to Morgan State, and I experienced, holy shit, <laughs> you know, and I underst- and and I came out of that experience with a deeper, very deep understanding of racism, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, because yeah. there were some classes I, I I could walk into and no, there's no way in God's on God's earth that I'm ever going to get an A. I could be fucking Einstein. I'm gonna, I'm not getting an A from this guy. Because I'm white. Yeah. Right? Okay. So that was a great lesson. That was a great lesson. Um, but again, like, like, just like everything else, I found the, the, the uh, I went to the school newspaper, mm-hmm. said I want to write, and, then, and, and, and it was there that I found my peers. All those people, you know. Um, including, you know, Maria Broom? You ever, she was in... Um, the Wire, and she was in a bunch of things. She was. We we were both writers together. In uh, yeah, in, okay, in, yeah, yeah. Uh, in uh, great actress, beautiful human being, very spiritual. Turned out to be a dancer, and a, and, a, and a spiritual leader. But uh, you know, um, she was one of those people there at the uh, at the newspaper, and you know, um, you you find people who are like you, and it didn't. And it, I, I and that was it was a great lesson for me, you know. Well. Like, like I was saying, you know, I was being called nigger and all that stuff at school, and uh, then I I went home and I was telling my grandmother, you know, she she noticed that I wasn't happy one day, and she asked mm-hmm. me what was wrong, and I told her what was happening, and my grandmother said, "Boy, your name is not nigger. Your name is Anthony." Yeah. Stop responding to that. Mm-hmm. Stop reacting to that. You how, understand how do you me? You do that though. I know. Wait, listen, check it out. She said, stop reacting to that. You go to school, be the teacher's friend, Mm -hmm, okay? mm -hmm. We're on welfare, socialism, as people call it today. My grandmother needed it. My grandmother had like an eighth grade education. Mm -hmm. My grandmother cleaned people's homes. She wasn't a welfare queen. She didn't even have a car, Mm -hmm. okay? She took care of us, and she had to take all of that crap. Now, I went to school and tried to do it, but I just couldn't do it. Mm Mm-hmm. My my DNA was like you 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 call me a nigger I'm gonna confront you and then yeah. next thing we're going to fisticuffs either you gonna kick my ass or I'm gonna kick your ass right. but but some it's gonna be some ass kicking going yeah. on yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna like it I couldn't I couldn't be Martin Luther King you're not gonna hit me upside the head and I say God bless you I wasn't Gandhi okay I couldn't do it yeah. you hit me I'm gonna try to knock your ass out right but. The whole thing is, I I love happy people and fun and freedom. Mm-hmm. And freedom means you do what you want to do, but just don't disrespect me. I won't disrespect you. Right. But you right. be whoever you are. I'll be who I am. You be you. I be me. I respect you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to earn my respect. I give you respect first. Because mm-hmm. you deserve to be respected. Then if you show me you don't deserve re- my respect, that's when we go our separate ways. Yeah. But all this black, white, uh, gay, straight stuff, 
it's so stupid. It's stupid stuff. Yeah, I don't need to go to a damn church to know that I don't. I shouldn't hate somebody. Right. Babies aren't. <laughs> babies aren't born hate. No. To hate. No. You don't come out of the womb. Eh, I want to fight that little black baby. <laughs> you know, someone has to teach you that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for me, man, I just kind of now I just kind of look back at people, and and. Uh, I observe and I go, this so, y'all, y'all don't know how stupid you're being right really? now. Did somebody teach you to play drums? Mm, uh, I was playing when I was an embryo. I don't know who was. <laughs> my, so my mother's heartbeat uh-huh. taught me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I was playing drums from the moment I can remember being alive. I was tapping on stuff. Uh-huh. No matter what kind of music I hear, I'm going to play the rhythm. Huh. And I've been that way ever since. I still tap on the table. <laughs> it's something that I always knew I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. My life was going to be a traveling drummer. Wow. That's never wanted to play guitar. Well, I want to play guitar, but I can't. I'm not, <laughs> I don't feel it like that. Yeah. I love music and musicians and all instruments, but I'm the drummer. I am the drummer. That's what I do, percussion. I'm the central processing unit, the CPU <laughs> of the music, the heartbeat, the foundation. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and I try to be really, really, really good at it. Have you? Was there a time when you 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 figured out that that's that 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 that, that your role? Uh, how important it, how important it is? Yeah, I I figured that, it out. What do they call it? Guardian of the guardian of the groove. I I'll take that. That's yeah. one of the things yeah. I, I would say I am. But uh, I find that jazz drummers mm-hmm. uh, and R and B, rock and roll, soul, country drummers who keep the pattern going, the beat. We're we we are more, I guess you would say, extroverted because we want to see people happy. Yeah. Introverted jazz guys are showing you how technical they can be, and mm-hmm. want, and and they want to hear the applause of what they do. Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. hear the applause of what you feel from me, making you feel happy. Yeah. I don't yeah. need the applause from you saying, "Oh, you're phenomenal." Yeah. You know, and uh-huh. and so there's a difference between a lot of jazz guys and a lot of of us who just keep that groove going, you know. Did you have any drum heroes like Earl Palmer or somebody I like that? I had anybody that played drums. Okay. It could have been your grandmother. <laughs> it was not my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that today. All drummers inspire me. Although my grandmother was curious <laughs> about why I listened to Little Richard. She didn't condemn it like like my parents did. Yeah. But she was just... She was just inter- interested in what was it I liked about that. You know? Yeah, well, Little Richard probably be interested to know why you like him. Because <laughs> we toured together, BB King, right? Little Richard, BB King, uh, Chuck Berry, and uh, Jerry Lee, Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> we did a tour together in Europe called the Kings of Rock and Roll Tour. Wow, Little Richard's band was amazing. Yeah, well, it always was. When he, back from, from back when he had the Upsetters. Yes, that band was amazing. Yeah. 
yeah. And those are the standards uh, that I come from. You know, you, you, you entertain the people. It's not just playing the music. You've got to entertain people. You know, did you ever read Earl Palmer's autobiography? I have not. Oh, he talks about the sessions with Little Richard oh, and, how, really? and how Little Richard's right hand changed the way he, he played the drums because Little Richard's right hand was doing the drum parts. Who, whose book was this? Earl Palmer. Earl Palmer. I thought you said Obama. No, no. <laughs> now I was like, man, I didn't no, know no, no, Obama no. played drums. <laughs> no, no, Earl Palmer. Oh. And uh, about how Little Richard's right hand changed the way he played drums. And, mm-hmm. and, and like, that was the big beat. Well, if you're the drummer, you're supposed to be, most drummers are, can tell you the lyrics, uh-huh. can tell you what the people's parts are. And you learn the artist, the front person, whoever the front person is, you learn it. You learn their nuances, how they move. Uh-huh. You know, we have to learn it from the back of somebody's head. Yeah. You know, we're not, <laughs> we're in one spot. We can't move. But you, uh, to be a good drummer, you got to be able to relate to everybody's parts. Uh-huh. You should be able to hear and listen to everything other than yourself, you know. Most front guys just listen to themselves. They don't really listen to the whole band. <laughs> Uh oh, <laughs> no, they do, man. They they think it's all about them. A lot of a lot of front guys. I won't work with bands that uh I, that that hire me to be their drummer. I'm nobody's drummer anymore. I'm ah. I'm, I'm I'm not interested in you being your drummer. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm interested in being the drummer with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want I don't want to work anymore with anybody that says that's my drummer no i'm the drummer yeah yeah if you need me to be your drummer don't call me i understand that you know because in all my years you know, when i was um, in broadcasting i hate it when somebody says oh he's my producer right no he's not your producer he's the <laughs> producer right no Shut I'm, up, you know? I'm done with those days of <laughs> yeah uh, you're my drummer you should play this no I'm the drummer that you should ask me, Tony, what do you think would work on this? <laughs> not, if you want to hire me to do what you want me to do, those days are over. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm going to be free. I'm free now to be me, and I work with people who accept me mm-hmm. and appreciate who I am and, yeah. and uh, my, my longevity in this business. I've been doing this too long now. To I don't care how much money. I'm not, I'm not going to ever play uh, as your drummer. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Screw that. I'll be the drummer. <laughs> you know. Is there somebody you always wanted to play with and never got to? Yeah. Jimi Hendrix. Oh, yeah. I love, I love oh, Jimi yeah. Hendrix. Yeah. You a Buddy Miles fan? Oh, I love Buddy Miles. Yeah. My favorite drummers are all singing drummers, but Buddy Miles uh-huh. was a great singing drummer, uh-huh. and his drumming was like, I heard Mitch Mitchell describe it in a documentary. Buddy Miles and Jimi Hendrix's band was like a cement mixer. <laughs> Boom, like a bulldozer on turbo engine in it. I love his drumming, just raw and powerful and strong. Yeah. And he yeah. sang that way too, but he also sang very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, actually, uh, his daughter, I'm going to be going to see her a little bit later today. Mm-hmm. She lives up here, and she wants me to work on having a buddy miles drums uh, to see if uh, i can clean them up a little bit really but yeah i like karen carpenter she was an amazing drummer now and that's that's something you never hear 
Oh, she was one of my biggest inspirations. Is that right? Yes, Karen Carpenter was an amazing drummer and sang <laughs> and great singer. And Levon Helm, great oh, yeah. drummer and yeah. sing. Yes, and and just I just watched the last waltz again last yeah, week. Great, it was on TV. great yeah. uh, documentary film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like uh, Don Henley and the Eagles and. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of like Phil Collins. He was, he was cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all singing drummers. And now, I, have you been in bands that had two drummers, like James Brown used to I have? I started out in a band with two drummers. How does that work? It works great when you got two drummers that work together and not trying to compete. Ah. Uh, it's no different than two guitar players. One might play lead while mm-hmm. the other plays rhythm, and one might play like James Brown's style of uh band have James Brown had five drummers one time five yes five and drum kits five drum kits on stage holy and shit. a percussionist <laughs> and Clyde Stubblefield and Mr. Jabbo Starks who, yeah. I, who I knew those guys very well and uh-huh. my dad you know created a mashed potatoes yeah. dance with James Brown yeah. King Coleman but uh, those guys when you listen to them play it's, it's really powerful to see two drummers the bands with two drummers that do it the right way, accompany each other and uh-huh. and work together, intertwine together instead uh-huh. of trying to compete against each other. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, you know, James Brown's band, of course, the, the Grateful Dead had two drummers. Right. Uh, Earth, Wind & Fire had two drummers one time, and uh-huh. Maurice White was a drummer and vocalist, right. uh, another drummer vocalist. Right. Um, I can't think. Allman Brothers, man. Come on. How sure. can I forget the Allman Brothers? Sure. You know, those guys, they, they did it really great. J-Mo and uh, mm-hmm. Butch. Um, but, yeah, I love two drummers playing together. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hell, Carlos Santana. Right. He, he's got so much rhythm going up there with the percussion and the drum kit he had the just amazing just amazing uh, wow so when are you gonna what are you gonna finish the book when can we see it when's uh, it gonna come out i i hope we are done by the uh before the year is out and uh-huh. and get this thing out it's it's gonna be really interesting because i'm just telling the things i experienced growing up in america yeah and uh, how the blackness has affected me in ways that made me had to work a little bit harder, you know. It just made me think of Rasan's tune, B-L-A-C-K-N-U-S-S. Yeah. You ever hear that? No. Oh. Rasan Roland Kirk. Oh, okay. Yeah. I probably heard it and don't probably, know what it's yeah. called. <laughs> because I love all music. I know you do. You know. I know you do. Well, okay, we're going to look for that book. Okay. Hey, you, you, you got any gigs around town coming up? No, I don't play around town. They I know you don't. They don't. They don't. They don't I hate want, that. They don't want me to play around. Oh, town. Well, I want you to play around town. <laughs> they don't want. They don't want. They, they, I, when we started this interview off, we said, "What, what was that we were talking about? We play for money." Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get paid, man. Yes. Yes, I understand that. I understand that. But. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we never get to see you. Well, I think, I think uh, there might be a possibility that I may start playing around town. Do you want to lead a band again? 
I, I, I go to Europe with my own band yeah. still. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I go to Europe and things are just wonderful over there. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to maybe pursue it again, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's just too much politics and nonsense going on around town sometimes, you know, man, I just yeah. don't like It was that. great to see you at the Blues Festival this year. I love the Blues Festival. I love yeah. to play more. Peter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but here's something that's going to happen, working with the Climax Blues Band, and uh-huh. I know we got to go, but uh, it looks like it, it, it appears that I'm going to be a, the official B.B. King band director from the estate. Wow. And uh, we're going we're gonna to do what I've always wanted to do with, with his music and uh, get several different famous and not-so-famous guitar players, and I'm going to put the B.B. King band together to play his music the way it's supposed to be played uh-huh. with different guest guitars from everybody that you know and different kind of like the experience Hendrix thing. Yeah. We're going to base it off of that brand, but, uh, we'll hurry up, but it's not, it's going <laughs> to, I'm working. Actually, we're, hurry we're, up. we're, we're working on the agreement right now. As I want to see that. Oh, it'll be, it's going to be great. <laughs> That's going to make everybody happy. Yeah, and it's going to, it may not be the B.B. King musicians, but it's going to be musicians that I know can play the music right. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for coming in here. I really thanks, appreciate man, it. I know how busy me. you are and, and all the shit you got going. And, yeah, man. Because you always do, but I'm very happy that you, you came and spent Thank some time. Thank you, and keep doing what you do. All right, man. I'll be following you too, man. Okay. We have to stir up the pot sometime. You I, know. Think, I think I agree, I agree with that. All right. Get people thinking a little bit. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.